you. It's, always, it's good to be welcomed. It's always nice to be welcomed. My name's Ryan Whedon. My name is Matt Fisher. And uh, we are no longer dating, hence the name of this podcast. No longer dating? Well, it's X-rated oh. EX, like, we dated one time, at one time. I mean, it was almost one time. <laughs> like a couple times over the course of a couple weeks. Yep. Yeah. Just trying to wring as much out of... Uh, that a possible. fruitful endeavor, nonetheless, though. <laughs> Imagine how our lives would be different. Uh, yeah. I don't think this podcast would be around. Probably not. If we didn't know each other, I doubt we'd be sitting in my living room recording <laughs> us. So, that's a safe bet. Yeah. Uh, how's it going? It's alright. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. My nihilism's up. <laughs> I'll say that. Uh, I have been eating a lot of weed, so... <laughs> I have a problem with that because I don't smoke it. Yeah. Because if I smoke it, like, immediately, I'm sick for, like, a week and a half. Really? Yeah, so I have to eat it. But then the only verb I can come up with is I eat weed. Yeah, Yeah, it does make it sound like, you know, fork and knife and you're just, like, (laughs) garden salad. (laughs) I'm chewing 40 (laughs) times before swallowing. Like... We don't. We just don't have the verbiage for it yet. You can't just say, you know, four twenty, or is that just too <laughs> juvenile? Had some brewskis and a four twenty. <laughs> Got my comfy pants on. <laughs> I had an email address in high school called Smokeweed Every Day Four Twenty Man, <laughs> and smoke was misspelled. <laughs> How do you misspell that? S M O E K. And that was your email address? It was one email address. Hmm. I don't know. I think I used it for junk mail. Oh, okay. Um, I was hoping it was to like... On troll. my college application. <laughs> <laughs> I was for, my, for more of my thoughts on Proust, <laughs> you can reach me at smokeweedeveryday420 man <laughs> at I, hotmail.com. I also have a live journal at the same, <laughs> at the same address. <laughs> I hope all that digital junk is saved from those early days. It's gone. That's too bad. I know. I was thinking about that. Like, if Facebook gets wiped out by, you know, North Korea's, you know. Looming bomb threat? Yeah. What what if if instead of a nuclear weapon, they do some sort of, uh, what are they called, like EMPs or whatever, and just like erases, like, the cloud as we know it? Mm -hmm. Like, what would we do if the cloud was just gone? Oh, back to hunting and gathering, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, uh, the living would envy the dead. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Netflix has nothing anymore. <laughs> I did have a, a moment today. This is, oh, I, I feel so first. I was going to say first world problem. 21st century, but like my internet wasn't working for like five minutes. Oh my and God. And it was just like, ugh. <laughs> God, this fucking thing does work. Comcast, get your act together. <laughs> I mean, all I was doing was researching for this podcast. It was like it was it. I was like um, Paul Rudd in Wet Hot American Summer, walking over to my oh. to my to my modem to unplug it. <laughs> wait sixty seconds and then plug it back in. Oh, you're bold. I never wait like 
Any, it's out and then it's in. <laughs> Just like sex. They say I've... <laughs> and then I'm done. I walk away. <laughs> You're upset if it wasn't satisfying. <laughs> <laughs> do we want to do the, uh, uh, what you, what you watch? What, what you watching? <laughs> uh, I had a lot of downtime this weekend. Okay. I watched quite a bit. Oh dear. Okay. So I don't know. Good. Um, it'll make up for my lack of watching stuff. <laughs> Uh, have you ever seen a movie called Cutting Class? Brad Pitt's first movie? No. Oh, I don't know if it was the pot or the movie. It it was indecipherable as to what genre it was. <laughs> so, Brad Pitt, uh, you know who Martin Mull is? The name is really familiar, yeah. He played Colonel Mustard in the Clue movie. Okay, yeah. Uh, he was also in Roseanne. He was like Roseanne's boss. Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, and he plays Brad Pitt's girlfriend's dad, because Brad Pitt's like 18 in the movie. Okay. And it's like right off the bat, he goes on a hunting trip and gets like a arrow to the chest. Martin Moldas? Yeah. Okay. And it's, like, inferred that Brad Pitt might have done it, but it also might be inferred that, like, his crazy friend who was put away in a mental institution might have done it. And okay. it's sort of, like... Because Brad Pitt's sort of a dick in the movie. Like, he's a good-looking high school jock who's a dick. Okay. Uh, and so he might have wanted, like, his girlfriend's father just, like, out of the way. But then, like, his friend is also crazy and, like, with, like, schizophrenic tendencies. And it's like, oh, well, it also might be him... And, like, they used to be friends, but then uh, the crazy one took the fall for Brad Pitt, but Brad Pitt didn't have his back, so there's, like, a rivalry between those two. Okay. And so it plays out, like, half like a slasher, half like a teen drama. Okay. But half Heather's style satire. So it's basically 150% of a movie. It sounds like a mess. I've, I've actually, yeah, no, I, I don't think I've ever heard of it now that, now that you're mentioned, talking about it, because I was picturing, like, a lighthearted romp with, you know, like, cutting class. <laughs> <laughs> but now you're telling me it's more like chopping mall. With, yeah. Which is like a, with a pun on yeah. cutting, and then, like, scissors go through it or something. Never happens in the movie. Damn yeah, it. So, uh, did I ever tell you about the time my mom wanted to go see uh, Crash, like, the stupid racist crash movie mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it was mother's day and this was like you know a million years ago whenever crash was in theaters uh -huh. and i hadn't heard of the movie yet it was like just been released like none of the buzz had been out hadn't won best picture or anything i think i know where you're going with this <laughs> uh, and my mom said that she wanted to go see crash for mother's day i was going to take her to see it and i was like okay i was like i don't know anything about it who's in it and she goes brendan fraser and sandra bullock and so, like, in my head, I'm thinking rom-com. So I'm thinking, like, I'm picturing the whole poster in my head. It's the word crash, and it's broken in yeah. half. And, like, she's down in one corner doing, like, the, oh, like, hand, like, in the hair, like, looking worried. And, like, Brendan Fraser's up in the other corner with, like, his shoulders shrugged. Someone has, like, a, a raw egg on their head. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Mom, it's your day. Let's go see it. And then we, then, like, we see... Crash, and I'm like, oh, this is still awful, yeah. but in a completely different dimension. Oh, I thought you were going to say that, like, you immediately thought she wanted to see Crash, the Cronenberg movie. Oh, and I wish. Like, and you're like, okay, mom. Like, what art house theater showing that? <laughs> uh, well, cool. Can, do you recommend Cutting Class? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it takes a, a certain kind of 
certain palette. <laughs> yeah. If you like the room, you might appreciate cutting class. Ooh. Okay. Uh, but if you like movies, you probably won't. <laughs> <laughs> off <laughs> I have a little something in uh, in uh, preparation to talk about this movie I feel that these are these are necessary um, to guard us against uh, some of the atrocities of this movie even though I do like it and I will work very hard to defend it like the <laughs> said Jaegers in the film, I have brought you a tiny airplane-sized oh, bottle of Jägermeister. Oh, goodness. Thank you. We're going to do this right now, right? Oh, yeah. I think these are bigger than, like, airplane-sized. Oh. So, maybe you should introduce the movie first. <laughs> we are going to watch... The Jäger. This, uh, this week, we watched Pacific Rim, uh, 2013 film. Guillermo uh, del Toro is the director. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, there are there are two things that are important in this movie. One is robots, and mm-hmm. one is monsters. Mm-hmm. And the robots are called uh, Jaegers, and the robots are called Kaiju. Uh, kaiju, Japanese, just for like strange beast, I think is like yeah. the, the literal definition. Uh, Jaeger, uh, German word for hunter, as the little uh, prologue in the movie. Yeah, first explains. thing we see like gives you a little little definition. The uh, so. glossary of terms at the beginning of the movie. Um, but yeah, so we're drinking. We're going to have these little Jaeger shots. Oh, Jaegermeister here. Good oh. lord. Because nothing says fierce hunter <laughs> like black licorice liqueur. Bottoms up. <laughs> oh, oh, man. God. <laughs> uh, buckle in, everyone. Here we go. So you know what my favorite part about this movie was? Uh, can I take a guess? Yeah. Um, shirtless Charlie Hannum? Close. Okay. Uh, it was doing the Google image search for Charlie Hannum's butt, uh, <laughs> before and after and during the movie. Uh, oh. it is a sight to behold. I, he, there's something about, about, about Charles there that I just, I want to, I want to hold him. I want to, I want to make him a meal. I want to I wanna do a puzzle with him while, while listening to an audiobook. <laughs> Just, he gets my blood flowing in all the right places. I, yeah, I admit there's definitely something happening in my no-no place when he shows up. And I, I have in my notes here, shirtless with three exclamation points. <laughs> yeah, well, that's my fir- the first shot we get of him is him jumping out of bed with his shirt off. Mm-hmm. And uh, I put that in the pro column, personally. <laughs> do you have a pro and con column? Yeah, there's some, yeah, I mean... It's, it's not Is your con column called the con column? <laughs> yes. Indeed. Um, but, uh, yeah, we, I, and, but in the column, <laughs> there is not quite enough shirtless Charlie. Mm. I would have mm. liked to see a little more of that. Hunnam. There we go. If you could have just remained shirtless. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was actually um, watching it today. Yes, I watched it today. Uh, think, trying to think. Well, I mean, of you like... had already watched it last week when you told us about this, so a this full is... seven days doesn't seem too troublesome. It's a movie I can watch anytime, anytime. Uh, I was uh, 
trying to think of moments where they could have had him be shirtless. And one <laughs> definitely was during the fight scene with Mako. It's like, just halfway through, have him take off his shirt. And then, of course, oh. in scenes when he is wearing a shirt, all the other characters should be asking, why is he wearing yeah. a shirt? <laughs> like whispering in the cafeteria, why is he still wearing a shirt? Um, did you know his lips kind of look a little pink? I think they did some weird color correction. There were a couple times where it looked like he had lip gloss on, like, but not... Adult lip gloss. Though. Not like a Robocop bad where it's like clearly cherry lip gloss. <laughs> it kind of, actually. <laughs> Felt a little overdone. But they just need to make him look a little extra kissable. Yeah. He's damaged goods. <laughs> but we can fix him. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so first of all, I want to start by saying I really do like this movie. And I come from a standpoint of... Doing research for this, I realized it's come from a long tradition of monster movies and mecha movies. Yeah. Which I, I guess I knew, but I didn't realize how intense people are about those two genres of movies. Mm-hmm. I am not one of them. Okay. I like I like this movie on its own merits, um, but apparently it goes. You could you could really get into all the references and things that it that it's um, paying homage to. Mm-hmm. I I couldn't. I couldn't hang with that crowd. And I'm sorry if you tuned into this podcast hoping for a discussion that gets that deep. I cannot do it. I'm sorry. Our, our in-depth <laughs> kaiju analysis will have to be postponed for later <laughs> I'll just refer you to the Pacific Rim Wiki, which I got some a decent amount of information from. But anyway, so the premise of the movie is that there's a rift in the Pacific Ocean that opens and it's an interdimensional portal um, that brings these gigantic monsters who are coming to attack, and the only way we can beat them is by coming together as a species to build giant robots that can fight them. And it delivers on that promise. (laughs) That it does, sir. (laughs) That it does. Um, I guess uh, I should should also explain why I picked this movie, which is that I really wanted to do um, a CGI-laden blockbuster uh-huh. uh, that I think is a cut above in the same vein as like Big Fan which is like you know an indie drama that's just a little bit better than most I feel like this one though it has many faults is actually just a little bit better than your average CGI summer blockbuster so I'm going to expand on that concept if if you'll let me yes um, so the camera used in this, this was filmed on digital, mm-hmm. and people shit on digital constantly, and for the most part, rightfully so. Uh, but this is the same camera that was used in all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. Okay. But this movie looks so much better yeah. than those movies. It really kind of makes a strong case for the strengths of digital. Like, you can have digital film movie that still looks colorful and still like maintains like a, a sense of depth yeah uh, and where the blacks look black and I, I just think that it's interesting that the marvel movies that use the same technology look faded and washed out whereas this movie looks great yeah like even like i'm not a huge huge fan of the movie but I'll, i will still you know give credit where credit's due and that it's a good looking movie and for the type of like movie that it's trying to be, it excels at that. Like, it's you know, it's not trying to be my dinner with Andre. Oh, you—you you can always get a reservation. Like, it's trying to be 
giant robots versus giant monsters. Yeah. And it is that. Yeah. So, you know, you got to give credit for, you know, hitting the target dead on. Like, right. That's what they did. Uh, and I actually, I watched, I was at, uh, at a friend's house and we watched a movie that I think was a perfect contrast to this. Okay. We watched the new King Kong movie. Okay. Uh, Kong Skull Island. And on an intellectual level, they're about the same. Right. Like, there's nothing that Kong did that was smarter, or there's nothing that Pacific Rim did that was smarter. But, the, like, it didn't look good. Like, uh, like especially, like, the lizard monsters that, like, came out of the ground in, in Skull Island. God, it just, it looked like pixels. Like, <laughs> you know, coming at you. And I'm like, if you're gonna be giant monsters fighting, yeah. like, why don't you take that extra step to, like, look good right like have the giant monsters look cool right and i think there, there was some criticism on this one like having everything be in the rain and in the dark all the fight mm. scenes um like is like a way of hiding or something like that but i don't know like i i still think they look cool you you can still read everything that's happening yeah um, I, i'll say i i think i don't know i i wouldn't say that it was to hide anything or at least i that wouldn't be where my mind goes I do feel that having all the fight sequences at night did do a disservice to the, you know, uh, uh, the choreography of the fight yeah. scenes. With the, the one exception is with that, um, the, the Sydney Australian monster whose name is uh, Mutivore okay. uh, getting taken down by uh, Striker Eureka, which is in <laughs> which is in daylight, but it's all like cell phone footage, mm-hmm. and it's like that's that's the one thing that's missing from this movie that I really would have liked to have seen is a daylight fight yeah. sequence, but like pull, pull really far back. You okay. Know what I mean, like it'd be like seeing a fight in downtown Seattle from like West Seattle or yeah. something like Alki. So it's like, you really get a sense of how big these things are compared to the buildings around them. And we just, we don't quite get that. I would have liked, I would have liked a little more of a pullback on, on stuff like that. Yeah, I can see that. Because, yeah, there is, and it's more at the beginning when, like, the monster's going through, like, the Golden Gate Bridge or something like that. Right. Like, that gives you a sense of how big it is. Right. it's comparing it to something that we have, at least, you know, a mental image of how, you know, it's, right. it's scale and, and things like that. And that's at uh, 1 minute and 15 seconds, by the way. <laughs> I wrote that down because... This movie has I, what I would like to call, or some friends of mine coined the term, I'm just going to uh, take it over here, is return on kaiju, um, R-O-K, like for your money, how much monster are you getting for your money, and boom, we get it right off the bat, so that's nice, I think. Oh, wow. you must have some investment friends. <laughs> hey, if I'm paying $15 yeah. to go see a movie I, about monsters fighting robots, I want monsters fighting robots, damn it. <laughs> This one gives you all you can eat, really. Indeed. Actually, I take that back. There is a slow stretch in the middle. There is a slow stretch. And I didn't... Here's the thing. So, I I like watching this movie with my brain off. I realized when I watched it to talk about it for the podcast with a critical lens... Oh, God. You you can't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. Like, just like you got to turn off your brain and be like, Oh, yeah, here comes the... The Monsters vs. Robots is coming. I just know it. I'm just going to have to, you know, hang in there till then. Because when it does happen, I feel like it really pays off. There's that scene in Hong Kong, the main fight between all the robots and those two kaiju that come out, is over 30 minutes. 
Oh, is it really that long? Yeah, I, I, I like that's a long sequence of just giant robots fighting giant monsters, you know? Yeah. And that's not even the end of the movie. There's yeah. still more to come after that. So I think that's another thing this movie gets right is like it minus the, the there is a slog ahead of that. I admit that hour before is kind of long. But um, once you get there, I feel like it pays off. I feel like it's a paid, the patience of getting through that really pays off. Yeah, for the most part. Like, it is cool. Like, even though it is, you know, for all intents and purposes, a mindless action movie, it, the, like, the sense of payoff is there. Like, it's not unsatisfying or it's not unremarkable. Like, once you actually get to, like, you know, where you really intended to be. Right. But, yeah, I, I felt the, the journey to it. Like, yeah. Uh, it's a little, it's a little hacky. But not not all the way, because I would argue that um, Mako's story mm-hmm. is is different than most of these Hollywood blockbusters. Because while she is the only main female character, uh, her storyline doesn't revolve around a man, and uh, mm-hmm. she has her own interesting agency. Like she's she's important in her own right. I mean, she is important in her own right, but I I wouldn't say that her role there doesn't revolve around a man. I like, I, maybe I'm just, I, I read into the, the, the budding romance between her and, and, you know, is uh, it a romance though? Yeah. You think? Oh, yeah. They never kiss. Uh, it was there. It was there. That's another point I would like to bring to this. Maybe scene. I'm just jealous. <laughs> I mean, Charlie, Charlie Hunnaman, you know, I just, you know, I want to, Put him in the bath and give him, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> go on. <laughs> I I want to I want to roll him in cinnamon and sugar and eat him up like a churro. There, I said it. <sighs> oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think we can emphasize enough how attractive. He is. <laughs> Really, just objectively. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, I don't want him to talk. <laughs> God. Yeah, talking only diminishes uh, his... He's just... He's serviceable for this movie, Yeah, but that's not a compliment. <laughs> right, like, he, he he's fine here. I wouldn't cast him as Hamlet anytime soon. Oh, no. <laughs> he's, but yeah, he's, he's not a leading man, let's just be honest. He, Even in an he is action sort of, movie... He's like sort this. of a charisma vacuum. Like, he really he is. He doesn't steal the scene. He's, he's let's, let's say... If, if he has a shirt on. Yeah, he's flat as fuck unless his shirt is off. <laughs> and then it's like, all eyes on Charlie. Then it's like, please sit on my hand. <laughs> he... But I mean, but also, so, okay. So while we're completely objectifying him... I feel like Mako's character doesn't get objectified at all. At least not by the camera. No. The closest... She, she wears a tank top at one point. And yeah. you get to see her feet when she takes her shoes off. But, I mean, that's like the a theme of the movie. The most sexual part of a woman for me. <laughs> that's the theme of this movie, though, too. Did you notice all the feet? I definitely did not. All right. Well, this time around, I noticed a lot of feet and shoes. Did it awaken something in you? <laughs> 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 Yes. <laughs> My love for fine footwear. 
I got it at Ross for less. Seat metaphors. <laughs> uh... But that's like I and I was, I tried to I tried to make meaning out of this, but like don't. I tried. There's like there there's a there is a theme that goes through of like showing lots of pictures of feet. Like when they're in the Jaeger walking, they show like the feet moving, the feet of the Jaeger. Okay. Um, what's her name? Mako when she's a child has her shoe. Mm. When um <laughs> when uh Hannibal now dies. There's a, one of his shoes is left over, and Charlie Day picks it up and looks okay. at it and tosses it away. Um, and I tried to read into that as like, um, you know, you you got big shoes to fill if you're fighting a Jaeger. Or I also thought that like you have to, we have to be a whole species if we're gonna fight these things head to toe. I know. You. I know this is this is paper the sound thing. Of grasping at straws. <laughs> I... But why did he put so many shots? I mean, it has to mean something. I don't have an answer, but it has to mean something. Maybe all those scenes were guest directed by Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> I don't know if uh, Guillermo del Toro has the same feelings on feet as uh, Quentin Tarantino. Maybe it's on shoes. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but it was definitely I don't know. I just noticed it. Feel it however you want. Fill that shoe however you want. Yeah, clever. He also does a does a thing uh, that I like, where um, basically he he he's quoted as saying that he didn't want the movie to be uh, jingoistic or uh, like a recruitment ad for the military, sure. which the Transformers movies absolutely are. They're basically like, look how cool the military is. You get to fly these planes and shoot these guns and drive these tanks. Okay, and he was trying to avoid that completely didn't want to glor- uh, glorify war in any way so that's okay. why you get a lot like the beginning i noticed um there were some scenes where people were dying you saw them like in the mass whatever but in later scenes uh he tried to make sure that like the cities were completely evacuated like the whole mm-hmm. hong kong scene with that's like 30 minutes the 30 minutes one the city has been pretty much evacuated but um he 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 said that he was trying to like capture the idea of, you know, Godzilla throwing a tank but not having to think about the people inside it. Okay. And still have that fun, that idea of fun of like watching a city get destroyed, which um, I relate to. I I, I like I, I can I can feel that uh, excitement when you see like big destruction like this. It's like when Homer and Bart were watching when buildings explode. Exactly. <laughs> the best part was when the buildings fell down. But like. There's consequences for that, right? In in the real world, yeah. so it's like you know, like that's nice that he's 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 thinking in a way that's like I don't want this to, I don't want the theme of this movie to be like, yay, war is awesome and fighting and destruction is cool. Mm. It's like it was more, and this is where it gets a little thin. But he was, it's, he said he was trying to make it like the whole drift idea with two people having to like control the Jaeger, make it be a little bit more like non-zero sum game where like. Everyone has to put aside their prejudices and beliefs and embarrassments, blah, 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 because we all have to get together to fight this one common enemy. I don't know if that came out in the film. But no, I God, no, it does not. It doesn't at all. He really failed there. Because I was watching, I was like, why don't they just train by playing DDR? Like, <laughs> seems like that's all they're really doing while they're in there anyway. <laughs> and why are they yelling at each other? Aren't they telepathically linked? Yeah, the I kind of felt like that 
was really kind of unnecessary. Uh, the whole like mind melding thing. Okay. The like I love Charlie Day to death. I think he's like the strongest element in It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I liked his part here, but I felt like it was so wrong for the movie. Like him mm-hmm. and like the straight laced scientists, like their little comedic duo thing. Like I, it felt so wrong in this movie to me. The the only defense I have of that that I can think of is that he was trying to draw a parallel between like American and British relations in say like World War One, where okay. it was like you finally just like put your differences aside and say we are fighting a common enemy. Because I was questioning this cast in general is pretty diverse. I mean Idris Elba is the yeah. is the commanding officer or whatever, and then you know you've got uh, Rinko Kikuchi is the main is Japanese and so like it's pretty di- it's pretty diverse yeah and so um when they when they brought out this like British dude it was sort of like why didn't they make him you know Mexican or Peruvian or something that's on the Pacific you know rim. ocean but, yeah. yeah on the Pacific Rim which would make sense but then I think that like the only parallel that I that I could think of is that they're drawing that line when it's time to like come together is that he's trying to say like well this is a moment in history when these two sparring countries came together it's a broad stroke i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not saying it's great but that's the only thing i can think of for that to me like i saw him like oh del toro was just like looking for a role and he needed you know he was just like oh well i always like my friend in whatever movie i'm directing so yeah we'll hence, have him do this hence for all ron perlman which yeah i love ron perlman though. i mean i love ron perlman too but <laughs> I don't know, it just, it kind of seemed like that whole B story was really just, like, kind of fill up time. Like, it didn't really seem super, like, they could have gotten the information that they ultimately gathered from, like, the mind meld in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it seemed like it was just, like, a scenic journey. Like, they took a 90-mile route for, like, a five-mile trip. Maybe, yeah. Just they... to just to find out about the, the ocean anus. Like... <laughs> <laughs> how to collapse it yeah <laughs> how to prolapse it <laughs> yeah Stop basically functioning <laughs> uh, I mean that's what that thing is that like the little portal thing it's just an anus we all know <laughs> don't hide it it's, it's funny because it's like one of the criticisms this movie gets which most blockbusters get uh, or movies that are aiming to be blockbusters get is um, it was really lacking in the character development department for the sake of action sequences, blah, blah, blah. But so this movie has a pretty long section of character mm-hmm. development. Um, it's weak as shit. Mm-hmm. And they, but they like tried. I mean, like they're trying to do that. And then that's the thing that we're criticizing now because it's lame. It's, it's totally, when you're in, when you're in to a movie to see giant robots fighting giant monsters, I want that. I don't need character development. I mean, the least they could have done is just rip that shirt off Charlie Hunnaman. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm in for with a movie like this. I don't need... I if don't there's need... not monsters fighting robots, I want this guy that I'm most likely going to catfish here in the next couple days. Yeah! I mean, it's just funny, like, today when I was watching it with a critical lens, it's like, this is dumb. This is not a movie to be watched with a critical lens in that no. way. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. You're not... You're not tuning into this for plot or character 
changes. I want to see robots fighting monsters. Yeah. And shirtless Charlie Hum. Like, that's what I paid $15 for to deliver, yeah. you know? And uh, it's just funny that I, I see... Like, I felt like a lot of the negative reviews that I read were... Um, were people looking for, like, another Pan's Labyrinth or something. Like, uh, something yeah. that's, like, really deep and, you know, like, also beautiful to watch. But it's like, no, he can do both, you yeah. know? It's like you have to look at it in a different way, you know? I mean, what are your opinions of the Hellboy movies? I'm I'm on board. Yeah? I don't I've never actually seen them, so... I don't think they're, you know, great great movies. I don't think Pacific Rim's a great movie, but I, I enjoy watching it, and for what it is, for what they are, they're, they're great. I mean, like, he's, he's a talented director, and, like, to, to expect him to only have to do art, deep art fair all the time is, is unrealistic, you know? When you just want him to make, make more mimics. <laughs> I'm just gonna say that was, like, part of his agreement to make the devil's backbone is, like... <laughs> You'll, we'll give you money to make that if you make Mimic. And he's like, great, I'll make Mimic. <laughs> Two bug movies, here we go. <laughs> They're like, who's that bug director? Uh, he did Kronos, what was it? <laughs> and they casted Mara Sorvino because she bugs everyone. <laughs> Just kidding. I love Romeo and Michelle as much as the next person. All right, so I've been doing my best to defend this movie. Um, but one thing I'd like to talk about that I don't like about this movie. Sure. Um, it's a real big offender in the um, teal and orange spectrum of uh, like color palette. Do you know about this? No. I can't, I, it's, I'm almost don't want to tell you because like once you see it, you can't unsee it and it's in so many movies now, but, um, they do like a teal and orange color palette. Okay. Um, because it has to do with like skin tones are in the orange range. Okay. And so the opposite on that in the color spectrum is teal. And so you get lots of that kind of, basically the colors of the kaiju when they're, they're blood and stuff like that. Okay. And then he just balances that with the light from all the robots, which is basically an orange light, you know? Okay. So it's like, it's almost like eye pollution, though, after a while, because it just, it's so boring and dull, mm. and it's mm. really all over this movie. Um, and whenever I see it now, it just, it bugs, it drives me crazy, because people just, they just saturate their movies with it now. Yeah, I mean, now that you mentioned it, those are, like, the two, like, predominant colors in the movie, just in general. Like, the robots are just sort of, like, different shades of teal for the, or, I'm sorry, the Jaegers. <laughs> uh, and there is a lot of, like, orange going on yeah. in the movie, just in general, yeah. And then a lot of teal, too. You'll see, you'll see it all over the place. So, there's even a scene I saw when um, Idris Elba is going to go talk to um, Raleigh, is his name, Um at the wall that he's that they're building, um, mm -hmm. he's literally lit with blue on one side and orange on the other, and it's just like mm. they're they're not even trying to hide it, you know. <laughs> it's uh, it's really bad because it, that that's just how they film things now. Like 
that nowadays I'm so excited to see color of any of any sort. That's and that's actually when they go to to the um, to uh, the Ron Perlman scenes. It's great. All of a sudden, there's all these like greens and like weird colors. Like they change the palette for a little while, and it's exciting. You know, okay, your yeah. eye like, well, my eyes like light up. You know, finally, it's, it's like oh, good, a relief from this beige, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, visual beige. Um, but I mean, if you're going for a broad audience, sometimes you just got to go with what sells, I suppose. Teal and orange sell. It's easy on the eyes. Mm-hmm. Like Charlie Hunnam. All right. I know. <laughs> anyway, this movie did not do well in North America. Oh, really? No, it was its budget was 190 million, and Ooh, it, that's a lot of money. Yeah, it's pretty. Especially for a lot that's being done in computers. That's like James Cameron level money. It did not make that in North America. It made about 101, 102 million Ooh, in America. Rough in going. North America, yeah. But it ended up making uh, worldwide uh, about 411 million. Hmm. One of the largest markets was China. And uh, I thought that was interesting considering the Chinese. Uh, Jaeger that we see, uh, Crimson Typhoon, dies real fast. (laughs) It's like on the scene, gets in two punches, and then they're gone. Do you think there was some some homoerotic tension between... um, Not nearly enough. (laughs) Not nearly enough. Raleigh and the Australian guy, whose name I didn't write down. Oh, I did. Chuck Hansen. (laughs) Raleigh and the Australian guy... The younger Australian. Oh, yeah. They have a fight sequence, you know. He gives them a little slap. A backhanded slap while they're fighting. Yeah. I thought that was kind of fun. I would watch that porno. (laughs) Definitely. You know there's slash slash fiction out there. (laughs) What's that? What's the name of that short guy mad movie? Sissy Boy Slap Fight? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We should should remake that movie with those two. (laughs) I haven't seen it, but... You're being really good with the callbacks tonight. <laughs> Proud of you. Uh, okay, and so just to bring everything full circle, because we did talk about this in the intro, uh-huh. is ele- are electromagnetic pulses a thing? Oh, like I don't know if they're a real thing or if you can actually like make a bomb from them. Like I think they're a thing in that like. If your, like, battery blows or something in your, you know, nuclear silo, then, like, yeah, it might, like, shut off things in, like, a 600-foot radius. But I don't think you can, like, disable a whole, like, city or something. Yeah, I just feel like I I keep seeing them. Like, it was in The Matrix. It was was in Toy Soldier. Soldiers. It's like, it seems more like a convenient plot device it's a way to blow stuff up without actually blowing anything up. Yeah. Like, it shuts off everything, but doesn't, like, destroy the surroundings. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, well, it's like, uh, what are, like, the dirty bombs that they use in movies, too, that, like, just kill the people and not the buildings? Like, you know... That's it, convenient. <laughs> yeah, it, it makes it really easy to do, like, a dystopian movie when, like, the bomb you set off, like, only destroys humans and not buildings. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's actually a thing, but... Neither. That's about. That's about. We're not science do. guys. <laughs> that's that's not. What if anybody about. out there has experience with uh, electromagnetic pulses, yeah. especially in the form of weapons, yeah, or 
biological creatures that can somehow do that, like in this movie, uh, please inform us. <laughs> because... Yeah, what if North Korea is, like, arming, like, a swarm of, like, bumblebees? I was picturing tuna, but yeah, sure. <laughs> How would tuna get into city limits, Ryan? <laughs> Be real here. They just do it through the water. At least salmon go upstream. Okay, salmon. <laughs> you think North Korea can afford salmon? <laughs> uh, I guess, in closing, insofar as that Hollywood... CGI-laden blockbusters is a genre. This one's a cut above. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Today when I was walking the dog... I don't, I'll probably cut this out. Uh, the dog had two poops, and when the second one started, I said, Oh, a double event. <laughs> Just like in the movie. Are you timing it? The, you know, it's only a matter of time before there's two in one day. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I always keep two bags with me. I miscalculated. <laughs> don't want to deal with double events like that. You don't want to be unprepared for a double event, is what I'm saying. Are you one of those people that will diligently pick up your dog's poop, no matter what? Yeah, even if I don't have a bag, I just use my hand. No! Get out of here! <laughs> no, God, You are not disgusting. allowed to touch anything! No one does that. You just go, ooh, and then you walk away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, That's... look at the neighbors like, sorry. <laughs> okay, good. Gross. I gag using the bag. I'm like, <laughs> I feel the same way about condoms. Picking them up off the street? <laughs> yeah, that's disgusting. Don't pick up used condoms off the street anymore, Matt. You can. I How know will we... I know if they're used until I pick them up? <laughs> you don't have to rinse them out and use them. I can't just eyeball that shit. <laughs> well, you want to hear what, uh, I'm going to pick for next week. Oh, yeah. So I feel this week we went big. Yeah. We went for... Maybe too big. Spectacle, right? Uh-huh. So this week, I want to go intimate. Mm-hmm. I want to go small. Okay. Like a sweet whisper in your ear. I want to watch Starting Again, a.k.a. Tears and laughter. Oh no! The Joan and Melissa Ridley <laughs> oh, starring. No! Starring. Wait for it. Joan and Melissa Rivers, the made-for-TV docudrama. I don't want to watch this again, <laughs> but I will out of a sense of duty. <laughs> okay. Junk plugin. Junk plugin. Follow us on Twitter at X-Rated Movies. It's the most happening Twitter account on the net. Like our Facebook page. It's uh, a Rated X Movies. Yes, because of Facebook's weird parental guidance, guidance issues. Yeah. Um, email us x.rated.movies at gmail.com. It's a, it's a real happening email address. You wouldn't know that because you don't get to log into it. 
but I'll, I'll put the password uh, with the link to so you can check it out. You'll, you'll all have fun in there, it's great. Um, also, don't forget, if you enjoyed yourself today, uh, to tell your friends, and um, go ahead and rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. And if you want to go that extra step, we now have a Patreon, um, which is just uh, patreon.com slash xratedmovies, and you can actually give us moolah, money, 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 for this if you feel, if you feel so inclined. And if so, we'd be really appreciative. That would go a long way. It would go a long way. Uh, so, yeah, next week we've got, uh... Starting again, a.k.a. Tears and Laughter, the Joan and Melissa Rivers story starring Joan and Melissa Rivers. Oh, boy. Buckle up, kids. Uh, thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.